Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Good evening, my name is Jason, the pastor here at Grace Downtown, and we are so glad to worship with you tonight. You just saw the scripture reading as we do each week, but a little bit different. Uh, That's uh, Pastor Jeff. He is one of our lay pastors. He is our representative from downtown on the larger elder board of Grace Community Church. And due to concerns with COVID, he has not been able to join us for the last 11 months, but we wanted to keep him in front of you to remind you that he is a vital part of what God is doing here at Grace. Um, and he is in our regular rotation for scripture reading as well. So we wanted to, to keep him involved in that way. Uh, Jeff has been faithfully serving the last 11 months on the elder board, but also as a, a counseling pastor. Uh, he is a certified biblical counselor. And he is, now that he is retired uh, from his job, he is doing even more counseling for us. So he is very much involved. So I wanted to remind you of that. We're continuing in our series in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Bo, and as well as the scripture reading, gave you a little foretaste of what we're talking about here tonight. But before we jump into the scripture, I wanted you to remind, wanted to remind you one more time about our Lent devotional series that we're going through. That's how you can access it. Um, it's going now through Easter. It's been going on, as you see there, since the 17th. But it's just a daily uh, few words from one of our staff or pastors uh, to get our hearts uh, ready and in preparation for our Easter celebration and what Christ has done for us. So I wanted to remind you about that. We did not have service last week due to the ice that fell, but uh, hopefully you took advantage of listening to the sermon online. And if you did, uh, it was uh, a warning to believers to consider uh, their salvation and to consider their life and, and make sure that it is in light of the gospel. Um, after that, Uh, This week is an encouragement. And you see in verse 18, um, it says, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. The author's intention with this chunk of scripture that we're looking at tonight is to give us strong encouragement. To give us the hope that Bo read about and that we just sang about. We are in need of strong encouragement and of hope. The reason is that over the last year, we have found that a number of things that are essential parts of our life, meaningful parts of our life, security mechanisms or foundations that we've built our life upon have been pulled out from under us. We've learned in the last 11 months in, the, in a very difficult way that things that we used to take for granted, like our health or the health of loved ones, or peace and comfort in our nation or in our politics are on shaky ground. We've seen things with roommates, friends, and family be more challenging than they ever have before. 
I know this weekend I'm seeing the majority of my side of the family for the first time in 13 months. There's been things that have challenged our personal faith. There's been challenges at every turn, and so we are in need of a strong encouragement. As we look at Hebrews, as we look at the book of Hebrews, we see that the author of Hebrews knows that the people receiving the letter called Hebrews were in need of that encouragement as well. If we take a very quick look here, um, we see in Hebrews chapter 10, we'll talk more about this when we get to that chapter. We're in 6 tonight, but when we get to Hebrews 10, we'll read, Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. The Hebrews that received this letter were in need of encouragement as well. They were in need of encouragement for their personal faith. They were in need of encouragement because of outside forces that were against them. They were literally having their property plundered because of their following of Jesus. They were in need of strong encouragement. And so are we. Some of that encouragement is needed because it is hard to live out and walk out our faith. So a very quick review from last week. Hebrews 2 verses 1 and 3 say, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then we look at chapter 3. Um, As we look at chapter 3, we read, Take care, brothers, lest lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. But none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Last week was a warning that we consider what our foundation is built on. We consider what it looks like to walk out our faith. The Hebrews were in danger of drifting away from God and being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. They were in danger of finding their hope in the wrong things. They were in danger of what they found in their own flesh, but also in the outside forces that were against them. And the author of Hebrews last week in the beginning of chapter 6 is saying, you you need a warning. You need to pay attention to what's going on in your faith. The main idea of last week's sermon was we often think we or others are in the faith for the wrong reasons. We need to make sure we're paying attention to our own faith. We need to make sure we understand what it means to be hidden in Christ. And this week we're going to see what a fruitful life that is indeed in Christ looks like. Let's pray as we get started here tonight. Heavenly Father, we need your help. We ask that you would uh, guide these next few moments. Father, I pray that I would speak not from my own eloquence or my own authority or my own wisdom, but uh, that I would speak uh, your words, Father, that you would speak through me, that you would speak to each one. God, I pray that you would speak exactly what each one here needs to hear tonight. God, I pray that where we need encouragement, we would receive encouragement, strong encouragement 
from the gospel. God, I pray that where we need hope, we would receive that hope here tonight. God, thank you that your words proved true. Thank you that your promises come to pass. Thank you that we have an anchor. Thank you that we have a foundation. We pray that you would show us tonight what it looks like to build our lives increasingly on that foundation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You and I were made for fellowship with our God. Nearness to our God. We are made to be close to him. Mission, there's a missionary to South Africa named Andrew Murray that my life has benefited from greatly. He says that nearness to God was supposed to be our native atmosphere. The very air that we breathe was meant to be the grace of God, and every air that we breathe out is meant to be praises to him, and we are made for the atmosphere of the nearness of God. We are made to be close to him. We are made to never be separated from him. We are made to not have to look anywhere else to find hope or joy or peace or comfort. We are made to find that in our creator, our God. But you know the story. You know the story from the Bible, but you all know, also know the story of your life, of, of mankind, of our history. Instead of finding our hope in him, we look to other things to find our hope. Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, looked for that hope in their own autonomy to determine what is right and wrong. We do it daily by looking for hope outside of who God is. We look for experiences, pleasures, comforts, happiness outside of our relationship with our Creator. We are made for this nearness, but from the beginning we have separated ourselves. We have gone our own way. But we see also from the very beginning that God made a promise. In Genesis chapter 3, he makes a promise to redeem his people, to be near to them once again, to make a way for them, to provide a hope for them that is outside of themselves and found in him. He reaffirms this promise to a guy named Abraham in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 15 and in Genesis 22, we see God make a promise to Abraham to bless him, to redeem him, and to make a great nation out of him. A nation of people that would experience nearness to their God and worship him only. God made this promise, and he made it based on who he is, not based on Abraham's faithfulness or your faithfulness but based on his faithfulness alone. Today we will see that our salvation produces enduring fruit. We will see how and why that fruit takes place. And in Christ we will find all we need for life and salvation. So open the scriptures with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Um, I am going to stop using the PowerPoint because it's missing about half my slides I just discovered. So if you have a Bible, it'd be great to open it up so you can follow along here. Um, it's going to be way more confusing if I try to figure out what's missing and what's not. So if you want to open up your Bibles, either digital or hard copy here, we will start in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 6. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. 
For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Here the author is saying that those warnings last week about those who have stepped away from the faith, he's saying, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those who fall away. I'm talking about those who do not walk in faithfulness. But here he wants to give them a word of assurance. He sees something in them, and that thing that he sees is fruit. He says, you, you're not like those that fell away. You are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you will produce fruit. You will be imitators of God, is the language he uses here. And you will have the things that belong to salvation. So what are the things that belong to salvation? Did you know that your salvation comes with other things? Your salvation comes with other things. So our salvation is of utmost importance, of course. That we are found in Christ, that our sin is atoned for by Christ's finished work on the cross, thereby uniting us with him and giving us a relationship with God that we otherwise could not attain. So that's our salvation. But here we are told that there are things that belong to salvation. There are things that come with salvation. So what are those things? We read in verses 10 through 12, some of those things that belong to salvation. One thing we read here is that we receive endurance. We receive endurance. If you remember last week, the author talked about those that do not endure to the end. And 1 John tells us that those that have gone out from us were never among us. They didn't endure to the end because they weren't truly in Christ. The Hebrews are tempted to lose faith and to not endure to the end, but the author here says, oh no, you're not those that fall away. You're of those that endure and have perseverance. What are some other things that they have that belong to their salvation, that belong to salvation? The first and foremost thing is that they have a relationship with their heavenly father. Sometimes we think about the benefits of being in Christ and sometimes we think about the benefits of salvation without remembering that first and foremost what we get is God. We get God. Colossians 3 tells us that we are hidden with Christ in God. Because of what Christ has done for us, we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, our perfect, holy, sovereign creator who we have no business to have a relationship with. There is nothing in us that has earned a relationship with our Heavenly Father. But because we are in Christ, we get to be near God. We get to be restored and returned to our native atmosphere. We get to breathe in His grace and breathe out praises to Him because of what Christ has done for us. So what belongs to salvation? God. We are told here that fruit fruit. We start to become imitators of God. We start to act like him. If we are made in his image and his spirit lives inside of us, and if we are in Christ, we are going to act out the values of the kingdom. 
we are going to display the fruits of the Spirit. We are going to act more and more justly because our God is just. We are going to produce fruit. And lastly, the things that belong to salvation include the mission, the call, the purpose, the commission that he has given to us. These are the fruits that come from our salvation. We see that we receive endurance. We read here that we have full assurance of hope. Another word that you see here in verses 10 through 12 are earnestness. Not sluggishness, but earnestness about our faith. And then we see here that God is just, and so he rewards. He blesses us with spiritual blessings because of our faithfulness, because of our endurance, because we are striving to imitate him. He blesses us and rewards us, and that ultimate reward, as we read right here, is perseverance. Endurance to the end. If you are in Christ and his spirit is in you, then you are an imitator of God and you will endure to the end. That's really good news. Because some days I don't think I'm going to endure until bedtime. I don't think I'm going to endure through the week, through the semester, through COVID, through winter, whatever it is. I don't feel like I'm going to endure. Sometimes in my faith, I feel like, am I going to endure what I'm facing right now? Am I going to keep a spiritual fervor for God? Am I going to stay on mission for him? The author of Hebrews is reminding us that we will endure because that endurance is a thing that belongs to our salvation. It is not something that we muster up for ourselves. And that's really good news. God intends to do good works through us, and God intends us to do good works. Hebrews 5.11 says, do not be sluggish in your hearing, but obey the Lord. Don't be sluggish in your hearing. Hear what he says, and then do it. That's part of the things that belong to salvation. Let's continue on in verses 13 through 17. 13 through 17 answers the question for us, how do we see more of this fruit in our life? Because I know for me, even today, it was hard to endure. It was a difficult day in my home. Nothing permanent, nothing terrible, but just a rough day around the house today. And I had the question in my mind, where is fruit going to come from? Where is joy? Where is endurance going to come from? Hebrews 6, 13 through 17 answers that for us. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. 
So now we're going to go back and we're going to look at Abraham. We're going to look at the promise that God made to Abraham. That's what he's referring to. Again, this book is called Hebrews. Uh, This is a letter written to Hebrews, people of the Jewish faith. People knew what the author was talking about when he went back and talked about Abraham. We don't necessarily know that if we haven't recently read through Genesis, especially chapters 15 and 22. But let me very quickly review it for you. God made this promise to Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you to be a blessing to the nations. I will make your offspring grow more numerous than the stars in the sky. He makes this promise to Abraham. And then he makes an oath with Abraham. And he models an ancient Near East uh, oath ceremony where two parties would take animals and sacrifice them and split the remains of the animals into two sides, and then the two parties would walk through together, indicating that if I break my promise, may my my body be split apart as these animals were. So God does an oath ceremony with Abraham. But if you read Genesis 15, when God made this oath, God separated the animals, and then God walked through. And Abraham took a nap. It says a deep sleep fell on him as God walked through. God made an oath and God made a promise. And we're told here in these verses that he made it on himself. What a bold move, right? He made an oath. And he put down the earnest money as his own life. He made the promise and he made it on himself. And as First King said that we just read here at the beginning uh, in the welcome, in the call to worship, not one word has fallen to the ground. Every word that God speaks comes true. So God makes an oath. God makes a promise to Abraham and he says, you're not going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. Open with me to Genesis 22. I wish we had time to just do a whole sermon on this, and maybe we will someday. But Genesis 22, this is another promise that God made to Abraham. God tells Abraham, so your offspring are going to be more numerous than the stars. And then Abraham and Sarah in their old age miraculously have this baby, Isaac. And then God tells Abraham, sacrifice your son, Isaac. The promised offspring. But then God faithfully provides an animal to be sacrificed in Isaac's place. And Genesis twenty-two fifteen is where we pick up the story. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The fruit and the blessing in Abraham's life came from the promise of God. God promised on himself and said, I will be faithful to you. So back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. 
So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge may have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. It is impossible to lie, for God to lie. Has anyone ever made you a promise and then not followed through? I ask this rhetorically because I know that it's true right? A human has made you a promise or maybe many promises and then not followed through. Perhaps it was something simple like saying they would be on time and then they weren't. Or perhaps it was something bigger than that. Maybe they said they would provide for you and then they did not. Maybe they vowed to honor and hold you till death do you part, and then they did it. Could be small, could be big, but humans can't keep all their promises. But God always keeps his promises. He promises and makes an oath on himself and what he can do for us. God's oath and God's promises are not the same as man's promises. Because his promise is unchanging and his promise is sure. And when we broke the promise, he gave his very life for us. And tonight as we take communion, God has given us communion to be a physical reminder that his body was broken for us. I'm not sure if we can break those little hard wafers that we're having to use because of COVID. You can try if you want here tonight. But we usually break off physical bread to remember that his body was broken for us because we broke the promise. But he did not. He always keeps his promises. And you know what? He promised to rise again, and then he did. And because of his promise, we are told in Hebrews chapter 6, 18, that we can have strong encouragement. Strong encouragement. The author goes further in verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. We have a sure, steadfast anchor in which to place our hope. Where can we put our hope when other things seem hopeless? Where can we find encouragement when everything seems to be going wrong? Where can we find hope when we just keep failing ourselves and our God? Where can we go when others keep breaking their promises? Where can we go when we feel like we are losing our minds and we need something solid to hold on to? We go to our anchor of hope, a steadfast, sure anchor. And that anchor is not a what, but it's a who, and not just any who, it's the God of the universe. 
the one who made you, the one who made everything, the one who holds everything in his hands. He is your anchor and he always keeps his promises. If there is one thing that the last 11 months has taught us, we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Whether it's COVID or political upheaval or just craziness going on in our world, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how we are going to feel when tomorrow comes. We need a sure, steadfast anchor, and we find that in Christ. Here we are told that he is an anchor, a steadfast anchor for the soul. And then we are told that he is a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. This is back to the language of being near to God. Until this point, until Christ died and rose again, one high priest would go into the innermost sanctum, the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain and meet with the Spirit of God. And at that moment, humanity was as close to God as they were ever going to be. But then Jesus rose from the grave. And when Jesus rose from the grave, that veil that separated man from God was torn in two because it wasn't needed anymore. Now we have an anchor and a hope that went through the veil for us, and now we have something sure to hold on to. And it's right there for us all the time. You don't have to wait till you go to church. You don't have to wait till your pastor's in the room. You don't have to wait till you can find a goat to carve up and kill. You have it right with you all the time. Because the spirit of the living God doesn't live behind a curtain anymore. He lives inside of you. So you have something sure to hold on to when you desperately need something to hold on to. I have felt so desperate for something to hold on to in the last year. As my wife went off to work on the front lines of treating people with COVID. As my nephew, who's four, has asthma and couldn't leave the house. As the thing that I love the most outside of my biological family, preaching the gospel and fellowshipping with all of you seem to be ripped away and put on Zoom. Oh my gosh. It's a curse word now. Zoom is now a curse word. It's four letters. It fits. It's a four-letter word. I have so badly longed for something to hold on to. Everything that I grasp for is just sinking sand. It just sinks me further and further into more anxiety and more fear. But Christ is a strong encouragement and we can put our hope in him because he is our hope that has gone into the veil for us. So what are the implications of this passage and these truths that we're focusing on here tonight? First, we can be encouraged. Where do you need courage tonight? Where do you need courage to be faithful where you feel faithless? 
Courage just very simply means courage put in you. Where do you need courage inside of you? Where do you need courage to face that temptation? Where do you need courage to endure? Where do you need courage just to make it through the day or get out of bed? You can be encouraged. And not some glib, bumper sticker, happy saying. You have an anchor that's a person that you can hold on to. We can be encouraged. We can have faith, not in faith itself, or not in some optimism that things will work out the way that they should. We can have faith in Christ and what he has done. Secondly, we need to remember who our anchor is. You're not your anchor. You're not your anchor. Your community group leader, your parent, your pastor, your significant other, your kids, your future spouse, they're not your anchor. Everything working out the way you want it to is not your anchor. Every day has enough trouble of its own. We need an anchor that's found in Christ. We need to remember where our anchor is. Lastly, do not be sluggish in in hearing. Do not be sluggish in hearing. I've had a lot of time to pray and think about what it means to make disciples over the last year. And one good thing that's come from this year is a lot of busyness has been kind of cast aside and we've been able to think about what is the church and what is discipleship and what is of utmost importance. And as I look at my own life, as I look at 20 years in ministry, as I look at the years of biblical counseling and youth pastoring and planting this church and all the varied kinds of ministry I've done, as I look back at those things, there's a consistent theme that I see when people struggle in their faith and they struggle to endure or they struggle with sin or they struggle with discouragement. And I'm not just talking about someone out there. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. There's one common theme that I see. And that common theme is we lose sight of the mission that God has called us to. We get focused on all kinds of other things. Some of them are sinful and worldly. Some of them look really good and look like ministry. But sometimes they're, they're not. Their busyness, their events, their obligations that we go to, but we lose sight of the mission in which God has called us to. If you have been in the faith for a good number of months or years, you have access to such good information by going to a Bible teaching church, by all the online resources that we have through community group. You have so many resources. We have so many resources to know what God has said. For most of us, the problem is not knowing what God has said. It's doing what God has said. Often we struggle because we're just not willing to obey what God is calling us to. And so we get caught up in these other missions these other things, and we get discouraged, and we get weighed down, and we can't remember why we're doing it all. The author of Hebrews is telling us to not be sluggish in hearing, but to be about the things of God. 
you're going to be hearing more this spring about how we hope to do that at Grace Downtown, how we hope to obey God together. Life is short. The devil is real. The flesh is very tempting. And we don't have time to play church. It's time for us to make sure that we are following Jesus and making disciples who make disciples to the glory of God. Because I've given my life to this and many of you have given your life to this. And my strong desire is that we would all follow Jesus together. The last two weeks in April, you're going to hear two sermons back to back where we're going to step outside of Hebrews and we're just going to talk about who we want to be when we grow up. I can't figure that out for you. I'm not going to tell you what you should do when you grow up. But what I am going to lay out for us is the vision that God has given me and the other leaders of Grace Downtown for the rest of 2021. Those last two weeks in February, we're going to lay out what it practically looks like for us to grow as disciples and make disciples to the glory of God for the rest of 2021 so that we can be a diverse group of gospel community people who are reconciled to be reconcilers, people who are hidden with Christ in God, people who prayerfully consider what God would have them do, and then they do it together. We can be encouraged to stay on track. We can be encouraged to give our life to the things of God because we have a hope that is found in an anchor We have hope that is found in a person. We have hope in what Christ has already done for us.